Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. Uh, We're going to continue our series, Gather, Grow, Go. Last week, we were in Acts chapter 2, and we saw the very first Christian fellowship, the very first church that was uh, repenting of their sins and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, and how through the love of Jesus, they actually became this new kind of family together. And this week, we're going to be looking at uh, the, the later on in the early church in the, book, in the book of Acts chapter 11, and what happens there in terms of the church building uh, bridges and breaking down barriers. Uh, but I want to ask uh, Pastor Ian Thomas to come forward. Uh, pastor Ian is the lead pastor at the King's Church Lakeland that was planted just about a year ago. And they've come down to spend the weekend with us. We uh, spent some time together through the Acts 29 Church Planning Network, getting to know each other over the last year. We were in a cohort together where we met every few months and spent a few days together learning together. And so it's been fun to watch them get planted in Lakeland and see what they're doing for the gospel there. Uh, But then also the King's Church stepped in about six months ago. We kind of had a financial bump, and they stepped in and actually helped our church out financially. Isn't that awesome? And uh, so we're so thankful that they did that, but then they said, well, we want to come get to know you. And so they're here this weekend, and I asked Pastor Ian if he would just share a few words with us, and he's going to pray for us and read the scripture, and we're going to get into God's word. Thanks, brother. Thanks, brother. Well, good morning, New City Fellowship. It's great to see you guys. You guys talk back more than my church does. I like that. We're going to we're gonna have to bring that back home. That's good stuff. Well, I'm Ian, as Pastor John said, and man, it's, it's a real honor and privilege to be with you guys uh, this weekend. There's a team of eight of us who uh, made the drive down about three and a half hours from Central Florida and Lakeland to uh, really just, uh, more than anything, get to know what's happening down here uh, in Hollywood. As uh, John said, we got to meet through the Acts 29 Church Planting Network, which Acts 29 is a diverse family of church planting churches. And uh, it's really cool to see uh, the good news of the gospel that we've already sung about, prayed through, uh, really treasured this morning, uh, going forth in all sorts of different contexts all around the world. And so know that this trip for us is one of a massive encouragement. It was a no-brainer for us to help out uh, what was happening down here. And now getting on the ground and seeing what you guys are up to, man, it's been a great encouragement to our team. And we're excited to go back with some new ideas for our church, uh, which was one of the goals of being down here. Uh, yeah, we didn't want to just be uh, give money and then never come down. Man, we, we want to be mutually encouraged by what's happening. And, and you guys have a beautiful, diverse expression of heaven in this room, which is, which is awesome. Praise God for that. Our hope and prayer at the King's Church is that we can continue to grow into that. But what I love is that our uh, mission at the King's Church is very similar to what's happening here at New City. We, we say that we exist to see a greater worship of Jesus through declaring and displaying the gospel. Because Jesus is worthy of our worship, isn't he? And that same Jesus who's worthy of our worship is on a rescue mission to seek and save people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language. And gathering them into his family, which makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. And so thank you for your hospitality. We have felt like brothers and sisters this weekend, and it was great to go out into the neighborhood and get to meet some uh, folks who are out there. And if I could just give you a word of encouragement, and you know this to be true, but sometimes it's good for somebody from the outside to come in and just just give you a a moment of encouragement. Uh, Don't give up what you're doing. The work you're doing here is really important, and it matters in multiple ways. Number one, it matters to God. 
right? God has called you to take the light of the gospel into dark spaces, and that's what you guys are doing here. So it matters to God. It also matters to your neighbors, right? There are people in this neighborhood. There are people in Lakeland. There are people all around the world who are lost, right? They need to hear the good news about Jesus, and so it matters to God, and it matters to your neighbors. And I think of the words of Paul in Galatians 6. He says, do not grow weary in doing good. Do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap if you do not give up. So I know that the work is hard. I know that sometimes you can be discouraged. I know it's like, it feels like it's taking forever for things to happen, but don't grow weary in doing good. God has people out there that he has called to be a part of this church, to be a part of the kingdom of God, and so stay faithful to the task that God has given you. So know from us at the King's Church, and whatever we can do to love and support you guys, we, we are in your corner. Uh, we have been massively blessed by you, and I'm really excited to see how we can continue to partner together uh, in the many months and years that are ahead. So uh, on behalf of our team, thank you guys for what you're doing down here. Thanks for your hospitality this weekend. It would be my honor and privilege just to pray for you. Can we pray right now? Amen. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you so much for uh, this people gathered here at this church, New City Fellowship down here in Hollywood, Florida. God, thank you that you have called them out of darkness and into your marvelous light, that you have delivered them from the domain of the enemy and transferred them into the kingdom of your beloved son. And thank you that the gates of hell will not stand against that. And so may you stir up this body of Christ, these brothers and sisters, to continue to bear witness to the good news of Jesus, to make the good news of Jesus known to their neighbors, to their family members, to their co-workers, to all that they come in contact with in their lives. Jesus, thank you that you are on a rescue mission to seek and save the lost and that you are calling a diverse people to yourself. Thank you for this expression of that and may you encourage them. May you give them tangible reminders that what they're doing is important. And may we, as we continue to partner with them, uh, be mutually encouraged, mutually built up and excited about the work that you're doing down here. So Lord, bless this congregation. Bring more laborers, for we know that the harvest is plentiful. May you bless uh, Pastor John this morning as he preaches, and thank you for the work that you're doing here, and the things that we can't even see that you're doing, but we trust in faith that you are up to. So God, thank you for your grace and your kindness. Help us now as we sit under your word to hear it rightly and to apply it to our lives that you might be glorified and esteemed and made much of. And we ask all of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys. Well, love to read our, our scripture text this morning from Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26. It says, Now those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. News about them reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Then he went to Tarsus to search for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught large numbers. 
the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. And thanks, Pastor John. Several years ago, on a Sunday night, <clears throat> I decided to go relax up at Lauderdale by the sea in Fort Lauderdale. And I just kind of wanted to go and clear my head and spend some time here in the ocean breeze and smelling the salt water. So I went up to Lauderdale by the sea, and on the way in from the parking area to the sand, in between that, there's this large patio that's kind of about the size of the room here. And the patio has a, like a three or four foot wall around it with some entry points. And so I was kind of drawn to go into this little patio area and sit on the wall. And as I went and sat on the wall, I looked around and there were people sitting around the entire wall, uh, both young and old, uh, people who had skin tone like me, people who had different color skin tones than me, and we were all just sort of sitting there enjoying the beauty of the Sunday evening at Lauderdale by the sea. And, and, and then this uh, Hispanic family sat down and they brought this very large speaker and turned on the music and turned it up. And it was loud, but everyone was enjoying it, so we just kind of started going with the music. And the lyrics of the music came on, and the lyrics of the music said something like this, like, come dance with me, come dance with me in Spanish. And uh, everyone was enjoying it, you know, the, 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 the people who had brought the speaker were kind of bobbing a little bit, and um, there were people from other parts of the world around this wall, and they were bobbing a little bit, and you know, I'm a white guy, so I was trying real hard to keep the rhythm, and um, I don't know if I was successful or not, and it was just kind of funny to sit there around this wall, um, because everyone was enjoying the music, uh, but no one was really moving towards each other. The song said, you know, dance with me, and no one was really dancing with each other, nor even talking to one another. Now, I get it. Everyone in South Florida kind of keeps to their own space. But it was strange to me because it was as if the music was this bridge between us where we all were enjoying the same thing and we really could have engaged in conversation and had some laughs and gotten to know one another. But everyone kind of stayed on the safety of the wall. No one moved beyond the wall. Everyone wanted to stay on the outskirts and just keep a little bit of space. South Florida is a really diverse area. And because it's a diverse area, you can go to the supermarket and you're automatically around people who don't look like you and they're not from the same place as you. But sometimes that diversity actually hides that there really are deep divisions in South Florida between people. There really are deep divisions in South Florida between people. There are walls between people who are from different parts of town. There are barriers between the people who have and the people who are have-nots. There are blockades between people who have had to move out of a neighborhood and those that have moved in to replace them. There are division between groups. There's walls between cultures, and there are barriers between people. And when we came to South Florida, coming back to South Florida and really wanted to plant New City Fellowship and shared the vision for this church of wanting to be a blended family of diverse people gathering to worship Jesus, a lot of people were excited about that possibility. 
But I, I talked to one pastor from Miami, and he was just very honest. And he said, you know, I, I really, I love the vision. I really do, John. I love the vision. But the bent of the human heart is for people to really be around others who make them comfortable. It, it's to be around people who feel normal. The bent of the human heart is to be around people who make you feel safe. And I got a little discouraged when he said that. I got a little discouraged when he said that, but then I realized, no, 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 he's actually right. That's true. The bent of the human heart is this. I want to be around people like me. The bent of the human heart is I want to be around people like me. People who see life the way I do. People who are from the place I'm from. People who think the problems of the world are the same things that I think are problematic. People who vote like me and think like me and look like me and eat at the same places. The bent of the human heart is really, I want to be with people like me. But that's not the heart of the gospel. But that's not the heart of the gospel. The gospel tells us that the greatest barrier is not between people, but between humans and God. Because of our sin against the holy God, we have been separated from him. And the greatest barrier is not culture or color or language, but sin. Yet, because of God's great love for us, Jesus came while we were still sinners and broke through the barrier, becoming one of us, leaving the comfort and safety of heaven so that he might become like us, but without sin. And through his death on the cross, he breaks down the barrier between us and God and builds a bridge so that God might be our father. The heart of the gospel is breaking down barriers in building bridges. That's not only the heart of the gospel, that's the plan of the gospel. That's the plan of the gospel, to break down barriers. See, Jesus had told his disciples, go to all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and disciple them, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you to obey. And then in Acts 1.8, he tells his disciples again, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth, in Jerusalem where you're from, but also in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the followers of Jesus that we read about last week, the plan was for them to go to the nations, to go and witness to the ends of the earth. And last week we see this beautiful picture of the first church, a Jewish church, a Jewish people coming to know Jesus Christ and loving each other and caring for each other and following Jesus and growing as new people come to know Jesus, but they're also a stationary church. They're stuck in Jerusalem, and they're a mono-ethnic church. They're all Jewish. Until, until here in Acts 11, we're told that there was a great persecution that rose up. Stephen was this godly Jewish man who followed Jesus and was killed publicly for his faith in Jesus Christ. And what happened was all the Christians in Jerusalem began to scatter because their lives were in danger, because if they'd killed Stephen, they might kill me as well. And so everyone began running out of Jerusalem. And as they ran out of Jerusalem, these other Jews were like, where are you going? Why are you running? 
Well, we're running to it because they're trying to kill us. Why are they trying to kill you? Because we believe in Jesus, the great hope of Israel. And the Jewish people in Jerusalem who were Christians ran. And the text says in verse 19 that they, they ran as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. I think we have a map here so you can see. There's Jerusalem in the bottom center. And they ran north to Phoenicia. They took boats to Cyprus. And they went all the way to Antioch where our story takes place. Antioch was the third largest city in the world at this time. And commentators have said that it was ethnically cosmopolitan. In other words, there were people all from around the world that lived in Antioch, very different than Jerusalem. There, there were Syrians and there were Romans, there were Greeks, there were people from Arabia. And so all sorts of languages were spoken in the city of Antioch. Not only that, but its location made it a crossroads of, of trade. And so all sorts of people passed through the city of Antioch. And it was also socioeconomically divided because we think of maybe about half of the people that lived there in Antioch were slaves. And in verse 19, Luke tells us, now those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word, speaking the good news about Jesus to no one except Jews, to no one except people that were like them. Now, they loved Jesus. They believed in the good news. They had repented of their sins. And yet as they're running, they're only sharing it with people like them. I certainly can understand if you've been in upheaval and you can't go home and you're running for your life, you want to find someone familiar, you want to find someone who's like you, and we can commend their boldness for sharing the gospel even as they're being persecuted. And yet he tells us they spoke the word to no one else except Jews. But verse 20 says this, but there were some of them men from Cyprus and Cyrene who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, proclaiming the good news about who? The Lord Jesus. And we can't help but miss the contrast here that the author wants us to see. There's two groups of people, both Jewish, both Christian, both love the Lord Jesus, both sharing the gospel. And yet, one of them stays on the wall, and one of them breaks down barriers for the gospel. We can't help but miss the contrast of what Luke is trying to help us see here, that God is about to explode the gospel into the Gentile world, and he does it through someone who says, we're going to be bold, and we're going to go towards people who are not like us. Now, in our day and age, it's challenging to even let someone know that you're a Christian because their opinion of you changes. Then let's talk about sharing the gospel with friends or family. That's even more challenging. But then sharing the gospel with someone who is not like you, that feels incredibly risky. That feels incredibly bold. And as we even think about that, I, begin, I bet you begin to feel a little alone. Like Jesus sends us out with the gospel, 
and he sits down while we're out there. You ever shared the gospel with someone and you kind of feel very scared and very timid and very nervous and very alone? But the author tells us what happens. And look what he says in verse 21. He says, the Lord's hand was with them. They weren't alone. The Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. That's an encouragement, isn't it? You tell someone you're a Christian, you share the gospel with friends or family, or you reach across a boundary line, you break a barrier to share the gospel, the mighty hand of the resurrected Jesus, who has conquered sin and the death and the devil, who has ascended to heaven in power and is seated right now at the right hand of God, he's present with his people. Because he has said, never will I leave you nor forsake you. When he gave the great commission, he said, I will be with you always until the end of the age. So you're not alone when you share the gospel, whether it would be someone familiar or someone different. And that's the very thing that should empower us not just to share the good news of who Jesus is with people like us, whoever you are. Because the gospel plan is to break down barriers, including the greatest barrier between us and God. That's what Jesus did for us. And as we look at this passage that we looked at last week in Acts 2, where there's this church that was loving one another and growing and just looks like an amazing church to be part of. And then we get to this chapter and see that the Lord's hand is with them. We have to also recognize that Jesus wants more than a church that loves one another and has seen people come to know the Lord and is just one type of people. Jesus wants more. And so if the Lord is with us as we share the gospel, why not be bold and break down barriers? We hope you're inspired by God's word. What have you learned so far? As you listen, pray about applying it to your life. Let's continue in God's word. This past week, I was in the grocery store by myself. I had to go get some stuff for my wife. And I was trying to read the cans of chili, and there's like so many different types, it was just confusing. I must have been staring for 10 minutes. But this young man and this young woman who were not uh, my skin color came up to me, and they said, excuse me, sir, can we invite you to a Bible study? And I, in, the, in the supermarket, and what I love about this girl is she, she had a, a basket that she wasn't actually using. It was like a decoy so that they could go around the supermarket and just invite people to a Bible study. I was like, now that is some boldness. It is boldness to go into that grocery store and approach people and approach people who do not look like you. And so I said, listen, I love Jesus. I'm a pastor. I'm not going to come to your Bible study, but praise God for you being bold. I'm going to pray for you as you guys roam around the grocery store. And I saw them about 10 minutes later, they had cornered somebody else, and we're talking to them. And I thought, that's the kind of boldness we need to go out and break barriers for the Lord Jesus. And that's exactly what happens. The Lord honors these people who share the good news outside of their ethnicity. Jews from Cyprus and Cyrene 
share the good news with Greeks. And it says that the Lord, you can go back one, the Lord's hand was with them and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. Now this is the first type of thing that's happened like this. The, the Jewish church in Jerusalem that follows Jesus probably didn't even realize this was possible. And so the next verse tells us in verse 22, uh, maybe I missed one verse there, but here's what happens. The news about this church in Antioch, full of non-Jewish people, the news about that gets back to Jerusalem, and they can't believe it. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling me that there's, there's like hundreds and hundreds of believers in the Lord Jesus in Antioch, and they're not Jewish? They were blown away. See, in our day, we have the question, can a Jewish person be a Christian? And in their day, it was, can a non-Jew be a Christian? That was their big question. Well, they were so excited about this news that there was this non-Jewish church that followed Jesus that they send Barnabas from Jerusalem up to Antioch to go see what's going on. And they send Barnabas because he is the great encourager. And in verse 23, it says that when he arrived, when Barnabas arrived and saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts, for he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and large numbers of people were added to the Lord. I love what it says there, when he saw the grace of God. In other words, when he saw that the gospel was effective to save sinners who were not like him, he saw the grace of God in a new way. And so he stayed and he encouraged them to persevere I can't believe that you all know the Lord Jesus because I know the Lord Jesus. Let me encourage you. Don't give up. Keep following Jesus. Remain true to him and have a, have a devoted heart to him. And as Barnabas, this Jewish man, is there in Antioch, the church grows even more. Large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Well, you kind of think that Barnabas maybe should go tell Jerusalem what's happening. But he doesn't. I don't know if he's like excited and forgets or he's like, forget them. I got to keep focusing on what's happening in Antioch. But he goes to Tarsus and gets Saul, who is also Jewish. And when he finds Saul, he brings him back to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church and taught large numbers. That's what it says in verse 25. I think this is interesting that you have two Jewish men discipling this church full of Greeks. And I think there's a couple lessons for, there, for us there as we talk about breaking down barriers and building bridges with the gospel. Because there's something in us, and we really can't help it, but when we break down barriers for the gospel and we meet people who are not like us that are Christian, there's still something in us that says other Christian people should be culturally just like me. Other Christian people should be culturally just like me. And sometimes when we engage each other across cultures in the name of Jesus, we don't even realize it, but we're asking that person not to become transformed by Jesus, but simply to trade their culture and become more like me. And this can happen so subtly. It's happened in the history of the church with colonization and things like that. But we're not called to trade cultures. We're called to see each other transformed by Christ. And I wonder if 
Paul and Barnabas were uniquely gifted for this mission because they themselves were bicultural. Though they were ethnically Jewish, they were not raised in Jerusalem. Paul was from Tarsus and Barnabas was from Cyprus. And I think that they were able to discern the difference between seeing someone become more like Jesus versus seeing someone become more Jewish, which is what the church in Jerusalem really struggled with. Dennis Johnson has a great quote, and he says this, The gospel speaks with power in every culture to every people under heaven. When the gospel touches a new culture, it does not leave that culture unchanged, yet God does not demand the people leave their culture in order to hear of his grace in Christ. Evangelism, sharing the gospel, must lead with the gospel, not with a call to cultural conformity. Repentance is not adopting the evangelist clothing style, the speech pattern, or taste in music. It is seeing the horror of our sin or one's sin and receiving the forgiving grace of Christ, embracing the Savior in faith for washing from sin's guilt and liberation from its tyrannical control. And I think this is what Paul and Barnabas are doing as men who are Jewish But as they step into this new church in Antioch, they're teaching these people how to follow Jesus, not how to be Jewish like them. And we know that that's what they did because the surrounding culture in Antioch doesn't really know what to do with this new group of people. And so, you know, when there's a new group of people, you go, what are they about? What do they have in common? What's the common denominator? And they couldn't find anything except Christ. In fact, it says in the next verse, the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. In other words, as the surrounding city of Antioch looked and said, what do these people have in common? We don't know except they're people of this Messiah they call Jesus. What they have in common is this king they keep talking about who they say has risen from the dead. And I think there's something for us there as well because so often the term Christian means not Jesus but all this layer of other, other things. When we use the term Christian, we often mean something political or we could even mean something about race. But here when the term is invented, it means we don't know what they have in common except Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. And there's something for us there because... So often, we get more into our brand of Christianity than the king of Christianity. And we begin to think, well, everyone's a Christian, but real, real Christians are like me. If you really want to follow Jesus, you would be like me. And listen, there are, there are false views of Jesus. There are people who think they're following Jesus and aren't. There are people who are actively disobeying Jesus. And yet at the same time, our brand should be Jesus. What people should see about us is they go, we don't know what they have in common except the king that they keep talking about who's risen from the dead. Our brand is, first of all, that we're Christ's people. And therefore, people of the gospel. See, the the plan for the gospel is breaking down barriers. But once those barriers have been broken down between us and God and and us and each other, we become this new people, a people of the gospel. 
And gospel people then build bridges. This church in Antioch grows, and we see in verses 27 through 30 that some prophets come down. That means down from the hills, but it's really up in terms of north. In those days, some prophets come down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and predicted by the Spirit that there would be a severe famine throughout the Roman world. This took place during the reign of Claudius. Each of the disciples, that's those in Antioch, according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brothers and sisters who lived in Judea. They did this, sending it to the elders by means of Barnabas and Saul. So this prophet comes up from the mother church in Jerusalem and says, hey, every, everywhere there's going to be a famine. And he doesn't tell them how long it's going to be or how big it's going to be. But I find it interesting that these new believers in Antioch, the first question isn't, are our people going to be okay? But rather they think of the church in Jerusalem that they've never been to. They've probably not met the people there. And yet they decide to build a bridge with other people who are people of Jesus, who are gospel people. And their generosity isn't forced. They don't go around and say, everyone give $5. Each person sets it in their own heart to say, we are connected through Jesus Christ to this church that we've never met before. And the first question we ask is not if we're going to be okay, but how can we make sure they're okay? See, gospel people build bridges with other people of the gospel because the gospel is a bridge being built between us and God. I'm so thankful for the King's Church because they're such a great example of this, that you guys would build a bridge with our church and initiate giving to us financially and coming down and saying we want to spend time with you. That is this applied. And I think now as a, as a church here at New City and we see ourselves being established, we can ask the same question, how can we build bridges with other churches? If you've seen the website or the video, you know that we've begun giving from our internal giving to a, a church in West Africa, in Togo, Pastor Macklin, because we want to be a church that builds bridges for the gospel, that, that helps. And part of building bridges as the family of God is realizing that we are connected. Like I said last week, help us to know or help us to believe that we're not okay if someone else is not okay. Just because we're okay doesn't mean that everything's okay. Because as the family of God, as people of the gospel who build bridges, we are interdependent. Not independent, we're interdependent. If someone else is hurting in the family of God, we are hurting. And gospel people build bridges. But then lastly, what the gospel does, the gospel produces a blended family. You know, pro, the produce section at the store is the, the fruits and vegetables, the thing that's, that come out of the soil. And what comes out of the soil of the gospel is a blended family of diverse people gathering to worship Jesus. You, you see, in Acts chapter 12, Luke kind of drops a story about Antioch, but he comes back to it in Acts chapter 13. And we're kind of whisked into this boardroom, so to speak. We're whisked into the leadership room of this church at Antioch. We don't really know what's been happening over the last months or years. We just know what the gospel has produced. 
And here's what it has produced. It says, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. These are the leaders of the church. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And what we don't realize, if we don't explore, is that this is actually an incredibly diverse leadership circle. So you have Barnabas, who we know from chapter 11. He's a Jew who grew up in Cyprus. Then there's Simeon, who was from Africa. Then we have Lucius of Cyrene, and and Cyrene is modern-day Libya. So we have another African here at the leadership table with this Jewish man. And then there's this person named Manan, who's a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch. He, He was close friends with Herod Antipas, who was a ruler. In other words, Manan is from a wealthy upbringing, and he knew people in power. And then Saul, the Jewish man who is from Tarsus. Here's what the gospel has done. They've watered it, they've let it go, and there's this diverse leadership roundtable that's happened when we jump back into Antioch. This is different, though, than when we just say, let's celebrate diversity. There's nothing wrong with it. That's good. But this is different. This is a diverse family being formed around the worship of Jesus Christ. And if we go for diversity based on anything else, we will quit and we will fail. Because we can be around each other until things get hard. But then once our differences become so distinct... I'm going to go back to people just like me. But you notice what they're they're doing here. It's not about their commitment. It's not even about just the diversity. It's about who they're worshiping. Look at the next verse. As they were worshiping the Lord. As they were worshiping the risen Christ, the, the ascended king, and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Then after they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them off. In other words, the other three sent off Barnabas and Saul. Because they have submitted themselves to the power of Jesus Christ, something interesting happens here. At this diverse leadership roundtable, they actually consider themselves equals and share power. They consider themselves equal and share power. See, one of the things that we can do if we go after diversity but don't actually share power is it ends up being tokenism. And tokenism is simply this, I want you present, but I don't want you to have any real power. I, 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 want, you, I want your color, but I don't want your culture. And this is not tokenism. This is people who have submitted themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ And these two Jewish men who started the church more or less and grew it by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds now are sitting at this leadership roundtable with people who are very different than them and sharing power. It's interesting that the Holy Spirit doesn't reveal a private message to Barnabas and Saul, but reveals this message to all of them at once so that they might spread the gospel together. And after they fasted and prayed and laid hands on Barnabas and Saul, 
this new group of leaders sends out Barnabas and Saul. In other words, Barnabas and Saul submit to the other leaders and go out on mission with the gospel. For the spread of the gospel, in order to break down barriers, in order to build bridges, in order to be a blended family through what Jesus Christ has done. The gospel produces a blended family. Philip Yancey was talking with a pastor in India. And the pastor in India said something very interesting. He said, you know, most things that happen in the church we see in Muslim and Hindu congregations. This pastor told Yancey, even the miracles, even the miracles that happen in the Christian churches, we see similar things in Hindu congregations and in Muslim congregations. And then the pastor said this, in our area, only the Christians are striving to blend men and women of all castes, races, and social groups. Only the Christians are actually trying to be a blended family of diverse people that breaks down barriers between economics and tribes and races and classifications of people. And the pastor said this, that's the real miracle. That's the real miracle. And so as we close today, know this. The bent of the human heart is, I want to be around people like me. But that's not the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is God reaching down across the barrier of sin to you and me, sending his son Jesus to die on the cross in our place to absorb the wrath of God so that you and I could be cleansed and then a bridge could be built so that we could become family with God. And as people of the gospel, then we take the gospel and we break down barriers in order to reach others with the gospel and build bridges with people who are not like us because of the gospel so that we can become a blended family of diverse people who worship Jesus, the point of the gospel. Let's pray. King Jesus, we worship you this morning, and we thank you for what you're doing among us, and through us, and in us. We thank you for your great power in being raised from the dead. And only the worship of you can put everything in perspective. We don't have to pretend that we're similar we don't have to pretend that we have every viewpoint in common. But when we keep you in view, the ascended, resurrected king, it points us to our unity, our unity in you. Jesus, we worship you today. We thank you that you are risen from the dead. We pray that you would renew us in our commitment to the gospel and to be a blended family of diverse people who worship you. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.